welcome to episode 158 of Friends in Film. You're here to bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Glass. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Wood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Daly. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing awesome. So the internet was taken by storm, I think, by some comments from somebody. But the end result was we had a long discussion on the Twitter sphere about baby Hitler. Yes. And I'm wondering, I know it was addressed in the Deadpool film and then cut and re-added? Yes. Okay. My question to you is, how have we not had a baby Hitler film about this? It about seems like whether or not somebody would Yes, someone who Hitler? would go back to, to try to kill baby Hitler. The entire and, movie. Yeah, the, the entire movie. And then like it follows through the path of like, I can't kill him, I'll raise him. And then it's just like, or is that just like too just, out there and I don't, insensitive? And, the, I think, yeah, I think it may be a bit insensitive to try to tell the alternate history of, hey, what happened if Hitler <clears throat> wasn't a terrible, terrible human being? <laughs> that, 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 that does amble into like sort of like a... Uh, Holocaust denialism. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I think it's just an area. I think most people have decided. You know what? We should. We that should, option is out there. Hitler should be a villain the entire time. Yeah, and that's as far as it could go. I think the closest we'll get to like, not quote unquote good Hitler, but like Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit movie mm-hmm. is about the Holocaust and when a kid i believe he like his father's out of the picture mm-hmm. and he has like an imaginary father figure that is hitler like that is played by taiko Titi. <laughs> and uh yeah it's out there and i'm sure it'll be insane it's with margot robbie and who else jumped uh, on board that somebody else that we like is margot robbie on that yes she's in that i'll, I'll double check the cast list real quick but i don't know but either way it is uh absolutely fascinating and I not seen yeah, the anything. the official synopsis is a young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish boy in their home, and then has uh, an imaginary Hitler. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's Taika. Oh yeah, no, it's Scarlett Johansson, Sam oh. Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen, Stephen Merchant, Taika Waititi, bunch of other people. That is a great cast. Yeah, comes out this year, so uh, we will <laughs> see how that turns great. out. Great. <laughs> and if you are looking for trailers or updates on Jojo Rabbit or a hypothetical uh, baby Hitler film, you know where you can find those? You can find those on our Twitter, at Friends and Film. And for those reviews, and for reviews of movies we've done in the past, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, Please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. There it is. Uh, before we get into our main review here of Glass, and unless you're watching any other Hitler-related movies, mm. maybe oh, you nope. did. Uh, but what else did you watch this week? The only, the closest I got to Hitler was the 1960s. Um, I did a rewatch of First Man, okay. and then drifted off to sleep in the middle of my first ever watching of. Lord of the Rings Return of the King Extended Edition. You've never seen the Extended? It, no, and I guess technically I still, still haven't. haven't. <laughs> it's long eluded me. I've picked up the first two at a garage sale, watched them to death, and then I would like jump over to the new one and be like, I feel like an Extended Edition or something like that, you know? Um, but First Man oh, holds up so well outside of the theater. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, I was watching it. I was, down, I was watching it in a downloaded 4K and on a 62 inch tv i don't know what it was and with some pretty good sony sound right. and it ah oh, perfect 
correct. Yeah. Really uh, good. I mean, it, our, we'll have to figure this out soon, but our best of... Or Oscars or I think that's after. what we typically try to do is get okay, it out yeah. before. So we'll I have, have to, a lot to do that. We'll have to coordinate with Colton, potentially, but... And then also, hopefully, our good friend Pablo will be yeah, able to join us. Yeah, we'll just have a big old part out uh, talking about 2018 movies, mm-hmm. potentially going to be in top 10 lists. I don't know if it'll actually get being Leave No Trace. Uh, this is a movie by Deborah Granick, the director, mm-hmm. and this is her feature debut, and kind of, just kind of like how Granick found and discovered Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, yeah, it probably won't be in my top 10, but... It's a really interesting uh, journey about the society they're living in a national forest, and then they're trying to be um, brought back, deciding whether or not they want to be in there, and maybe they both don't agree on whether or not they should be in part of society. It is currently streaming on uh, Prime. Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. so uh, really is no excuse. Are good. That I just need to jump on there because I know mm-hmm. it's like a ton of Oscar movies yeah. or really good A twenty four films, mm-hmm. or whatever the case. It just like are on there. I need to just go for it yeah. question real quick before we mm-hmm. jump into everything else does a24 have like some kind of like first launch deal with amazon because um, it seems like all of their films just drop on there eventually i'm not i'm not sure i know that there's been rumors for a while now that uh that uh apple is looking to buy a movie studio in that a24 could be where they go i have heard that so uh that is possible possible and in a quick google search it says that uh a24 movies are actually going to leave amazon prime and mm. netflix is adding most of them so i don't think there's any exclusive deal but now it looks like they're all leaving amazon to go to netflix as netflix loses disney properties probably WB properties as they launch a streaming service of their own later this year, I think is their plan. And then NBC just launched NBC universal wants to do their own as well. So mm-hmm. we'll be losing like the office and universal shows and uh, Netflix will just be all original content pretty soon. So that is probably a topic for another day here, but let's get into glass. Awesome. Let's uh, do it. Highly anticipated movie for many, If whether or not you're a fan of Unbreakable and you've waited 19 years for a sequel to that, a true sequel, or you only caught Split in 2016 and then realized at the end that it is actually tied to Unbreakable. Spoiler alert, sorry if you have not seen Split, uh, but I feel it's inevitable that you would know that if you know what Glass is. Mm-hmm. Because it brings together David Dunn, Mr. Glass, and Kevin Wendell Crumb, and I thought this movie... Uh, I actually really liked it. I was kind of not surprised, but just based on the early reactions to it, it looked like people were just kind of tearing this thing to shreds and saying it was really boring. And I think the most boring part is probably the middle where they all get stuck inside this insane asylum together. And it, mm-hmm. it, it really slows down and brings you more back to the unbreakable days of Shyamalan where it, this is a really slow burn character driven piece. And it's really just about those three guys each trying to figure out what is actually going on with this um, mental institution and then figure out what is actually going on with their individual uh, powers, their beliefs, uh, their worldviews, all that kind of stuff. But this movie starts off really, really great with really stunning action and M. Night doesn't waste a lot of time just getting you right into where I think you would imagine this movie is mostly about, which is uh, David Dunn hunting down the beast and then just going at it. You think that's the whole movie and it's, it's really like the first 20 minutes. And then from there on out, it's just like the James McAvoy show. He is so good. Even if the movie, I don't know if this movie will please everybody. I think his performance alone is worthy of admission and Definitely. absolutely worth seeing 
as soon as possible. His ability in split was fantastic, but now here he goes from, I think he did like 12 personalities, I think, in split. He does over 20 with glass, and but this time he can transition between one from the other at a, at a, at, with the snap of a finger or a flash of a light, and mm-hmm. it is so amazing to see him go from you know playing uh, Hedwig to then the flash of the light, and then he snaps right back into... Uh, like the old lady or the bro dude or mm-hmm. like any of these other new personalities you get to meet along the way. And right. it is just so fantastic to watch him work like this. And I think it's probably one of his best roles. It probably is his best role um, to date. But I think the movie will either drive home where it's at. Cause I think the first two thirds of the movie are going to be really strong for a lot of people. And then it's the third act, which can either ruin the experience for people or drive it home. I don't. I think that this movie takes a lot of bold choices, and it's not surprising with with M Night directing this. I don't think mm-hmm. all of these decisions that he does work, but I think for the most part they all work together. Some of them individually are like, I'm not sure what this is or why you did this, mm-hmm. but I think in the larger picture it all kind of makes sense. Um, there, there are definitely plot holes. Some of the dialogue in here is really, really bad and wooden. Ooh, and yeah. M Knight's cameo in particular is probably one of the worst he's ever done. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, McAvoy is really good. Uh, Bruce Willis is good with what he's given. Yeah. S- same with Samuel L. Jackson. And I think Anya Taylor-Joy was fantastic, but she was just unfortunately not in it as much as you'd kind of think or maybe even want. Um, yeah, it was shocking to see that she, after being central to Split, mm-hmm. she was just sort of the final piece. Right. I mean, she's the co-lead of Split, and here she's relegated a side role with Mrs. Glass and mm-hmm. uh, right. I don't remember what uh, David Dunn's son's name is Benjamin, but right something like that i think so but either way i would like to see her have a little bit more of a role but uh i really want to talk about this more in spoilers so i will give it three and a half ticket stubs out of five and let you dive in it is really hard to talk about an m night Shyamalan movie without being in spoiler territory because obviously you know the twists the turns or whatever but for me personally i'm gonna go lower than you when i finally get to my ticket stuff. okay but i just wrote it down as soon as i wa- left the movie glass half fall okay <laughs> or broken i don't know um because unbreakable is good split is great and then it becomes whoa wildly weird and it's connected to all of these things and you're like okay now we can have something you know awesome to be upheld here maybe m night Shyamalan has found a way to finally utilize his talents mm-hmm. for something better or you know something to get back get us back to the the signs days or the um i can't even remember the i see dead uh, people movie it's the Sixth Sense. Sense. thank you wow i lost it <laughs> but we didn't get that we got something that felt a whole lot i don't know more diminutive and small how, however, it was really artfully done along the way. Yeah. Um, it was like he was working off of a shoestring that looks like Blumhouse did it, and it was their first foray into a dark superhero movie. Right? But as soon as we get to the middle, Sarah Paulson, who I love dearly, interest out of this when the camera was not on Elijah Price or mm-hmm. Elijah Prince Jackson. Popped into that role. He is having fun with it. He loves it. He's he's clearly glad to be there and in that purple jacket and that suit and everything like that when you finally get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, Bruce 
seems to be there for the money. I think I don't know, but I feel like he's been he's certainly been he he's phoned it in more than he did here. I th- I feel like he did good with what he was given, but he's just not given yeah, a lot. I'm glad he's there, and I, I love seeing the poncho on it. But ultimately, he's just sort of gruff and and like muttering his way through it. Whereas last time, we had more from him. Right. And maybe that's what maybe that's what this problem is. Colliding all these three characters gives us less of why we liked them in the first place. And then by the time we spin out to the the twist, the the climax of the movie, the reveals, and you know, just like the underlying force behind this script, there's nothing there. It's sort of just like. All right, I guess I kind of could have guessed that from the, how coincidental everything was mm-hmm. and how shady introductions were uh, and everything apart from that. Um, but, you know, if this was a little bit more focused, because that's where it splits into sort of the, it's like, it's a superhero film and here's some, here's our version of a knockout drag out brawl. Right. Rather than, you know, which is cool and that's and, and well done. But at the same time, there's I'm not really gripped here at all. And then by the time we get to our conclusion, you're just like I rolled my eyes and not a fan. N- not a fan. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, but I love every individual component. However, when you toss them into a blender together, what got spit out um, was something that I thought didn't really showcase the talents of every character in here. Mm-hmm. I do agree that McAvoy was way better, at least in terms of the personality and uses and everything like that, was way better here than he was in Split. I mean, he's got it down. Mm-hmm. However, I would have just loved to have seen something, I don't know, I imagine sort of a one take where he just, drip, you uncut, just drifts through. I mean, they kind of did that. Kind I mean, of? I don't know how much cutting was in there. There's the flash, the light, so it's possible they yeah, could. Yeah, I would, I would have loved to have had, you know, something handheld, spun around, no actual cuts let us see it all and see him shift through maybe that way i know it would have been really hard yeah and i feel like he was doing that during like his introduction in the institution because he's like trying to get out and then the the lights keep flashing and he's kind of figuring out that that will change his personality and uh, for me i thought that they got that moment maybe not the full range potentially right but i got to see like five or seven probably yeah i just wanted a little more push because that's, that's the route they went they, they they slowed us down and said well here's how here's the psychology of all mm-hmm. of these things and but they sort of just said here's aesthetic rather than um craft yeah and maybe i'm just sounding like really stupid but um <laughs> yeah it just it does not satisfy for me any of the things it wants to be okay well, let's jump into spoilers here. Big, the big spoiler? Well, uh, sure. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go all the way to the end, or do you want to work our way through the third act? <laughs> let's work our way. Th- well, no. Let's go. Can we go all the way to the end? Sure. And then work our way back. Sure. Through? Yeah, we can do it that way. Because as soon as they murdered everyone, <laughs> done to Prince to Price. Price. Thank you. Is it Price? It's Price. You okay. had it right the first time. All right, I wrote down Prince. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's the jacket. It's the purple. That's what's yeah, getting maybe, me. Maybe. Um, and then of course. Uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb, mm-hmm. uh, the beast, the horde, the horde, probably better, uh, gets brought back down to earth, his psychology undone, made vulnerable to bullets and gunned down mm-hmm. because Sarah Paulson is actually part of a secret organization that kills superheroes, superhumans. Yes. People with special abilities. That, yeah. Well, I don't, that's, that, that's the complicated part about that organization was that, I wasn't totally clear if they 
do kill everybody or if they try to do their first method of we're going to try to make you believe that this is all in your head and you're mm-hmm. not actually superhuman. Right. Which I thought was a really interesting idea. And when that was going on in the second act, even though it was kind of, it was it was a little slower than I wanted it to go, the arguments that like Sarah Paulson was making of like, oh you, I mean I mean, yeah, I guess if she could bend them with a another bar or if she could do this or that or if they could explain that he could only uh you know like climb on walls because he saw professional rock climbers and learned how to imitate them like i thought that was all really interesting idea that that but the problem with that is then like if that if that's not going to work and then you're going to end up just killing them at Mm -hmm. the end of the day it raised that question of well if your ultimate goal is just to rid the world of superpowered people why not just kill them all right away right it sounded like because yeah from what i understand they used to do it like that but then human rights organizations were like don't kill the superheroes make them think they're crazy instead because that's better which (laughs) it is i guess slightly but then they're like all right that didn't work and then pow 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 drowned and what do they do to elijah uh he's he's crushed by the beast that's right but yeah i think my my biggest problem with the mysterious organization the club the clovers whatever they are i I don't, some sort of symbol on mm-hmm. their wrists was how they revealed all of that information was because, because when we get to it, if you're in the spoiler section, you've already seen the movie, hopefully, but when we, when the sniper is there or the gunman or whatever, and we see the clover and it's like, he really lingers on that tattoo. And for me, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I think I missed something. This sucks. You didn't. And then I realized, Oh, I didn't miss anything. This was just really poorly executed. So that was one of the things where in the third act where I I like the I, – I didn't necessarily uh, resonate. All the deaths didn't resonate with me emotionally, but I can could, I could understand and see where Shaman was coming from in making his decision to kill off all three of them just so he could like definitively end his story the way he wanted to – no take backs no nothing mm-hmm. it's all it's all over um almost like he was fearful of like creating something that could be popular and exactly and, you know take it for a ride with universal Sony. uh, it, uh know, whoever did this yeah but then so when we when that happened I'm like, all right interesting but then when we get to the the club the tattoos i'm just i that that is taken over my mind i'm just like well okay like i'm trying to run through Shyamalan's filmography i'm like is this from signs is this from Mm -hmm. uh uh sixth sense somehow is this from last airbender after earth the happening lady in the water the village like is this from any of that stuff and i'm like nope and then so now i'm just like all right so i missed something earlier in the movie which would have shows and it just doesn't so like i think that was just all poorly handled but then like 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 I said, other stuff in the third act I think worked for me, but it's just like they could have executed that better, like show the tattoo earlier in the movie, but yep. just like subtly, and then it's just like you have to catch it and then realize it later on that there's other people with that same tattoo. Like right. there's just other ways to do there's it. There's a mythology or a mythos or a history that they want you to understand, mm-hmm. but don't want to tell you anything about until the last five minutes where you're going to just be so... Um, they're going to club you over the head with the deaths of Dunn, Elijah, and the Horde, and... You're just kind of like, oh, 
oh no, right. who cares anymore? These guys were evil the whole time, which I kind of figured. They captured them and kept them locked up instead of letting Dunn go be the overseer and save people from the public, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, if he's breaking the law, like, I mean, whatever. Right. But I don't know. It's just, there's no psych. I thought like the psychology earlier that you were talking mm-hmm. about, I just want to jump us back real okay. quick. Like, could have been fun if Shyamala would have committed to making us believe that they weren't superheroes. Right. But every, the first two films before it just said definitively, we exist. Here you go. And then we get to hear him. We're like, who's like, wait, no. If you would have been speaking to us and said, no, you're crazy. Josh Straley, aisle seven, seat three (laughs) for believing that my last two movies, then something would have like that would have been kind of cool. Right. But we never got there. Cause like all of the, the, the superpowered people, they like, for the most part, like accept or like start to doubt their own powers super quickly, but we don't really get to see them then like struggle with that idea. Mm -hmm. Like there's a little bit of it from the horde of like, Oh, maybe like the beast really isn't what he says he is. And we shouldn't give him the light. Mm -hmm. But like, there's no really like, there's no moment with David Dunn of like, am I not super powered? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I am. Like I'm just a normal guy and that they explained all this stuff and it makes sense to me. And like all that stuff, but like, I don't know. I think that it just wasn't as well executed, but that's the thing with this movie. There's a lot of really great ideas in it that I think if it would have pulled it all the way off, it would have, it could have gone down as better than unbreakable and split. Yeah. And I think for me at least, um, which is always kind of a struggle of does the end, does a bad ending take down the a prior to, good acts steal the thunder okay yeah and i think for me at least i i still really liked where it was all coming i don't think like i said the ending totally nails it but there's still enough uh redeeming qualities of it beforehand that i'm still on board for this movie and i'm interested to see what would happen on a rewatch where now that i know like okay the clover thing's not you know like this major you know reveal at the moment that it happens because nobody else understands it either. So I can like, I'm not going to be distracted or feel like an idiot for five minutes while it goes out. But I don't know. I exactly. For me, the end did not reinforce anything in the center. There was nothing like really discussed or talked about. Sarah Paulson wasn't planting these ideas. Oh, she was just planting the you're crazy type of ideas Mm -hmm. and the you're crazy type ideas never came around to the end because that first act is just about here's what you missed. And right. then now we're here at this point and they're like, well, all right, they may be crazy. Nope, they're not crazy. We're just evil. Yeah. Which is what you expect. I mean, I do think one other disappointing aspect of it was um, maybe them not knowing exactly like what this movie is or how to go about it. Because when you call the movie Glass, you would think, oh, Elijah Price, Mr. Glass, going to be in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really... He enters at the second act with, like, once we get into the mental institution and everything, like most other people. But for the first hour of the movie, he is sedated. And so we just get to watch Samuel Jackson's eye and mouth twitch for every couple of seconds. And it's like, <laughs> okay, like, what like, what are we what are we doing here? And, like, he gets time to shine over the second half of the movie and realize, oh, he's been faking his medication and um, all of this stuff. And we get to see how his plan ultimately plays out. Right. But it's just, like... I feel like he should have had much more to do. Absolutely. He gets the final laugh at the end um, by 
hacking the security systems and setting um, their, their footage mm-hmm. out of, all across the world. And it's like, he was so devious. We misunder, we, under, we underestimated him the whole time. Right. Whatever the case was, like you said, faking his way through like all of these things. Um, so I, I came around to that title at mm-hmm. the very least and accepted it. But in no way was I, like you just said, th- thinking, oh, this is really Elijah's movie. It's just it just ambles between all of these characters, mm-hmm. and you don't know what's important until, like you said, there's a clover that's important. You're like, I missed it the right. entire time. No, you didn't. It's just haphazard, and maybe no one understands M. Night Shyamalan's scripts, or they think he's hiding something, <laughs> and that's how he gets away with it. I don't know. Well, I think you mentioned earlier, like, there's it almost feels like there's multiple movies at play with there's a focus on Mr. on David Dunn, there's a focus on Elijah Price, there's a focus on um the beast, the horde. And I think there's there's gonna be possibly your reaction I think to this movie could depend on heavily on what movie sequel you think you think you're gonna get. Because I think if you're going to think this is an unbreakable sequel, more so than a split sequel, mm-hmm. then I feel like you could be let down because uh Dunn is not that involved overall. Like he gets a solid start, but then kind of fizzles away as the movie goes on. And then Elijah Price isn't there for the first half of the movie. And then you're not really sure what he's doing for the second half of the movie because he is the genius. And you're like, yeah, he's doing all these things. And you're not really sure what his ultimate goal is. And I think that like him ultimately knowing, all right, we're not going to go to the tower. We're going to have the battle here. Mm-hmm. They're to have all the security cameras. I've been playing this whole time. It makes sense. Like that all works, but then I just don't think that it all, it all comes together again. So there's just like yeah. something about it where it's like, I, there's like pieces missing. Or something. I never had an aha moment, right? Which are some of the greatest things that I'm not can do for you as a, you know, as someone in, who makes these mystery twist thrillers, Instead, he makes you go, huh, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... It's both all of the turns here. Right. I think one of them, which we haven't t- touched on yet, which I was kind of like, ah, okay. But, like, you know something is coming was when um, the Dunn kid is, like, looking through uh, Crumb's history. The same time, Elijah Price is also reading Crumb's file. Mm-hmm. They both, within, like, a matter of seconds, they're they're shown shots of them having this, like, giant moment like this giant epiphany of like <gasps> right here it is and light bulbs go off for the next 20 30 minutes we don't get what that is until that fight is happening mm-hmm. and dunn is about to die and then so his son comes in and he's like wait 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 he killed your dad yeah your dad was also on the train and i was just like oh okay mm-hmm. i thought it was gonna be like hey sarah paulson also has powers or like there was, I thought there's going to be some other layer to the superhero, uh, mm-hmm. or your dad's abilities alive, of it, or he's, something. He's in the basement over there, right? Like I thought there was going to be something else beyond. Hey, your dad was also in the train. Like there's an interesting idea there that uh, Elijah created both an enemy and a potential ally in trying to find his polar opposite with mm-hmm. Dunn. But like, and the unintended consequence was creating the beast because the father wasn't there, so the mother abused. Kevin and the personalities were birthed out of that. Right. But there's n- like, there's no like discussion on that at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, here's the reveal. And even, you know, Elijah's just like, Oh no, not yet. 
just like like you've already held off so long at night mm-hmm. you gotta i feel like that should have been like some of these reveals right like, shouldn't have been reveals they should have just been parts of the story unfolding instead of saving everything for the end yeah Pollison should have been dropping these like you said things on us throughout the entire film instead of being withholding give us it all and then make that information weaponize that information to make us think we're crazy mm-hmm. i don't know play with your audience not with your characters right especially when you're doing these kind of psychological thrillers that really don't have anything um you know, deep behind them other than which way are we going to go? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, unfortunately, Shyamala chose the former rather than the latter. Yeah. Can I, I, I need to ask you one thing about if you thought anything about this. Okay. Uh, with Casey Cook, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, yep. there, there are these really great moments between her and Kevin Wendell Crumb when he is given the light back, which I think are some of the movie's best moments because yes. it gives Anya... And James just a time just to be together and connect and they feel even though the body that James McAvoy is is like abducted and like tried to kill Anya Taylor Joy, there's still this connection between Casey and Kevin somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's this really beautiful thing. It his his death is the only one that hit me emotionally because of that connection was happening. Yep. But that le- that led me to kind of wonder because this is an M night movie, there's twists, there's turns, surprises all the time. That any time she would touch him was when Kevin could like be brought back or maintain control. And so I was like, all right, are they going to do something where she also has an ability, where it's like a true like superpower, not like oh like I can maybe lift a few extra pounds mm-hmm. or like <laughs> I can scale walls and my skin's a little more um, impenetrable that she was going to have some sort of ability to access the good in people or um, pull out the best side of them or something. Yeah. I, I never came around. I never, I never thought that completely. Um, I did think she was going to be like more important. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like they introduce her right off the bat that she has developed something after that whole ordeal. Like it, you know, um, made her go test it, but they never did any of that. And so like when they was just like her touching him or whatever, like, you know, when they were together, her mm-hmm. presence, um, and just sort of like recalled that he's like, oh, she, the one person that I've met that I didn't eat alive or right. kill or neck, you know, whose neck <laughs> I didn't break. So she's nice and has suffered like me. So we'll be friends, mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. Yeah. I just um, felt like there was something else that he was going to do because in Unbreakable, at least, you know, he explains that comic trope of when there's one, there is the opposite. So mm-hmm. if there's a hero that's unbreakable, there is a villain that is completely breakable. Yeah. And it's like, all right, both of the, like both Casey and Kevin are from abusive backgrounds. They both have scars to show it. He got multiple personalities. She got nothing. Yeah. And it felt like they were going to do something with that. Maybe that's just my imagination or where I th- trying to predict where M Knight would go with this story. But I felt like he like at least planted seeds that there could be something else going on with her and so when there was nothing and she was relegated just basically like oh i'm here just to try to save kevin like that kind of disappointed me yeah i i can yeah it would her involvement was really bad because she was so great in the first one Mm -hmm. or it was disappointing her involvement was so much less because she was so great in the first one had she her and dunn been working together which was the movie i i guess i kind of thought we were getting yeah so maybe my own expectations were set improperly Mm-hmm. But I still the way the way he went about it, I still think 
he did nothing to back up or reinforce throughout the entirety of the script. Um, so, but I will say though, you know, as a one shining moment or one thing though, um, Mike Gialakis, Gialukis, um, his cinematographer on this mm-hmm. project, same as it follows, uh, stellar job. Same as split. Same. Oh, really? Okay. I believe so. Awesome. I did not know that. Yes, you're correct. Awesome job. Way more Artur, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and just using all of those shades that you see right. from, from beginning to end set up really well. The only time you really lose some kind of like the visual language that it brings out in that place is the end where it's just all about, all right, it's action now. Mm-hmm. So time to set it up. Right. Which is, I think it's one of those other aspects of it where it's like, there's this redeeming quality to this movie where mm-hmm. it's like, it looks really good from start to finish. Like, I think the tone is pretty consistent. It's even a little funnier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just like, I don't know. There are these elements to it that, yeah, like I'm just, like the third act. I don't think it doesn't come together. Like I'm not going to try to sit here, try to defend that. Yeah. You know, killing all of them, the secret organization, uh, Kevin's dad being on the train uh, are absolutely understandable. I think one of the biggest questions this movie has is right at the beginning. Oh yeah. They're just right there. It's just like, how did you know they were there? How did you know mm-hmm. they were fine there? It's never explained. But it's just like, I don't need the five-minute explanation of exposition of, here's how mm-hmm. we tracked them and right. did this thing. Yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. Um, He also did uh, Us. Really? So I think Mike is going to be someone to kind of put on your uh, list for, yeah. for 2019, folks. All righty. Um, do you have any other thoughts? I have no other thoughts. Other than... The big question will be, you know, I'm not gonna, ever going to watch this movie again. Figured. Unless I want to have a reference for Mike. Lucas's okay. <laughs> cinematography um, or to revisit of course well, like a curious like all right like now that I know what's coming yeah I'll rewatch it because I mean I, I, I whether or not you I would show it to someone after they'd seen split how about that yeah I think I think if you've seen unbreakable and split you got to at least finish it out absolutely whether it's whether you hate it or you love it or you're somewhere in between I think you at least if you like those two previous movies you need to know how it ends mm-hmm. so yeah uh, that is our spoiler and spoiler-free uh, thoughts on Glass, and we'll be right back in a bit with the news. We're back with the news, and as always, going to talk with our three main topics. And this week, we have some real, like, legitimate, like, giant news to talk about. Yes, and that's why you are hearing maybe the giant news music or sound. I don't know if we have that. I don't know. I'm just trying to will it in, but for post. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but we have. Let's have it. The news that the Friends and Film Podcast exclusively has been waiting for. Nobody else has. Mm-hmm. We are the most excited beyond anybody else oh. because. Variety report this week that 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trachtenberg, the guy that we have put up for literally any job opening out there for the last two years, has finally got a new directing gig and he will be directing Sony's live action Uncharted movie starring Tom Holland. There's no production news other than that they want to try to get this going, I think, this year. Summer. And uh, this thing is going to move quick. We finally have a new Dan Trachtenberg movie. A clip surfaced over 
the after this announcement was made yeah. of him on some video game show from like 2009 right. or like 2007 or something. Where mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I want to make this movie so bad. Fast forward to now, he's mm-hmm. making the movie. He's obviously a huge fan. We're big fans of Dan. Yes. I couldn't be more excited. I cannot wait to see what this is. J.J. Abrams is understudy kind of i don't know but whatever the case is um is getting his own indiana jonesy movie and oh man i'm just so excited and like i only have really one feature to base my, or one we feature all- and one no two features ish with the black mirror episode that runs in uh. 90 minutes so we're close there but two real big substantive things to go off of but I already think he's going to be so he's going to crush it. I think, I mean, there's the passion there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's my passion for him <laughs> and there's Tom Holland in this thing. And I just feel like, I feel like Dan's personality with Tom Holland, just being so young and everything like that. Um, it's going to sail right through. Was this one of the projects that we like threw out there for Dan? I don't believe so. I don't I, think so. The one like we threw out so many, the one that always sticks with me was him doing Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. Or maybe it was Godzilla too. I don't remember. Godzilla- Godzilla vs. Kong because it lost its director. Right. So we were, I know we pushed that for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then it didn't happen. It was like, oh man. But then we were literally throwing it. We threw them out for everything. Thanks. A few Johnson trilogy episodes. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is, this is so, this is just great news. Uh, it came early in the week. So it was just like, all right. Right. This is just like, I'm flying high the mm-hmm. rest of the week because I didn't think it would get any better. And it's just like, yeah. we got Dan Trashenberg, a new project. Yeah, uh, we have t- him teaming up with Tom Holland. He's going to do this Indiana Jones video game style movie. Um, I feel confident in saying that Dan Trachtenberg will officially break the video game curse, mm-hmm. even though I think it was already broken by Tomb Raider. But people forget about that movie. And he's the best director to ever take up a video game movie, though. Already, mm. and think about it this way: he can go, he just he can go so many different directions. He can J.J. Abrams MI three this thing. And be like, all right, it's Spielberg, go Spielbergian with yeah. it, which is what the studio is uh, probably, probably going to want. But he could take it slow and mm-hmm. make it just so much more of a coming of age movie. And oh heck, it could end up being like an indie thing that goes around film festivals. I don't know, but <laughs> I just the potential is there because the talent is there, and Sony and whoever else, Universal, uh-huh. um, or the two that are on this. Is it two? I thought I think it's just Sony. Okay, yeah. Because Naughty Dog and then the video games and the mm-hmm. PS4 and all that jazz. Yeah, so stoked, unbelievably. Now I don't know much about Uncharted. Okay, the video game. Property. I know just enough to fake my way through a conversation <laughs> okay. that I just don't want to get into. But I know this is an origin story, mm-hmm. so this isn't following the video games where Nathan Drake is right. like a thirty-some-year-old adventurer who's done this for years, and he's I think his mentor's name is Sully. I think, and he's a little older than he is, and they're off on these worldwide adventures. But we obviously need a Sully. We need other people. Uh, are there any like Trachtenberg, like people that he's worked with before, like Wyatt Russell from Black Mirror? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he could. He could maybe do the Sully thing, and he could like be like the guy that Nathan Drake grows into. I could really see that. I don't know if that's how that dynamic works in the games, but I think Wyatt Russell is a star in the making, uh, especially after Overlord. And oh, yeah. uh, if you could get him in here, I think that'd be really fun. But I know Tom Holland's also been like, hey, Jake Gyllenhaal, why don't you just come on over here? We just work together on Far From Home. 
you can be my mentor here and we'll all just Have love it. Have you seen it? Fully. And you put a mustache on that. That's definitely Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I also just, just look. Well, I think Oscar Isaac will 100% be in this movie before all said and done. Villain or hero. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. So great. An ex machina. An ex machina. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, I think we are obviously very excited about this, but there's unfortunately just not a lot other on than that to go on. Yeah. Just, this is Dan. So we have to say it, goodbye. It, it finally happened. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we will move on to news that other than this, maybe the greatest news we'll get right this week, this year. I don't know, but deadline, not deadline variety also reported this week mm-hmm. that Christopher McQuarrie has accepted his missions plural because he is now set to write and direct mission impossible seven and eight uh which is huge news he is currently writing both of the scripts and the plan is to shoot them back to back with uh, a start date later this year so it will not be very long i got shivers uh uh, the studio is already looking for summer 2021 and 2022 release dates so they'll film back to back be released in back-to-back years and there are rumors that he may be looking to bring back Henry Cavill and Alec Baldwin via flashbacks. So there's a lot of information here on this project, which is like the opposite of Uncharted. We uh-huh. don't know anything other than right. Dan and Tom are on this here. We have production news, release dates, um, possible story implications here. Mm-hmm. But first off, let's just start off with we did a big question several months back of who should direct the next Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. With the did we say Tom ob- Trachtenberg for that? I think probably we did. <laughs> with the obvious thing of we we all want Macquarie, right? Just in case it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to all the people we suggested. You're not getting the job. Macquarie is back. Yeah, gone. And I I am personally thrilled. I am so stoked at this. Um, the Mission Impossibles that I am in love with are the Macquarie ones, and he's gonna have his own quadrilogy. Yeah, I guess it's a saga after four movies, but whatever the case is. I am amped beyond belief, especially too at this setup. The implications mm-hmm. that they're going to throw like six hundred million dollars at these. I don't know. I mean, the last one broke all records, so true. They are paramount. Like, three hundred million dollars per movie. <laughs> I mean, who knows what they're going to do? That's Infinity gonna War level. Up, they're going to blow up an entire Bullish. cityscape and have Tom Cruise fly through it with a jet plane. Listen, if it means. The three hundred million dollars is so we can get Tom Cruise actually flying a uh, spacecraft to the moon, where I'm the here final for battle takes place, and he settles down and thinks, "I did my job." Exactly. And then a call comes from the commissioner, and Mars needs his help. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the case, um, but I mean, just it is Mission Impossible Six. Um, I sorry, Fallout for the uninitiated. Um, <laughs> was just a master class in action, pacing, and the right mix of humor and drama that just that I have I had never seen before. Like the last time I got that feeling was Star Wars episode seven. Mm-hmm. And the last time I got that feeling was what rewatching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like the the paces and the beats are so perfect and the ambition of this back-to-back film that's going to be a story in two parts, obviously, 
is going to be wild. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see who they wrangle into this movie. I can't see who they bring back in. I don't think we need those two people. Let them be dead. Or, I mean, it's your fault for killing Henry Cavill, who's <laughs> one of the coolest villains they had. Um, but, you know, I mean, when we get Jason Momoa popping up in there with some, maybe William Dafoe or whoever the case is, <laughs> you know, I am, I am absolutely stoked to death. Yeah. Yeah, I just rewatched Fallout this week after this news because it's like it's yeah. perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. The movie is so freaking good. Uh, I'd echo a lot of what you just said there, and I think it's really interesting the fact that they would that they would go out and just be like, "All right, we're doing Mission Impossible Seven. Mm-hmm. Duh." Fallout was the highest grossing Mission Impossible movie in the franchise's history. Uh, it was one of the best movies uh, of the last decade, probably, um, and it delivered on the action, the characters, uh, really every single aspect of it. And to now say we're getting two more, I think begs the question, will this be the end? Are they looking at this, looking at Fallout's production, saying we had to delay the movie or delay production by like two or three months mm-hmm. in the middle because Tom Cruise, our insane, everybody loves him action star who demands doing all of his own stunts, broke his ankle. And he's getting up there. He's going to be just around 60 when this eighth movie hits theaters can he continue to play ethan hunt with this action driven nature past 60 maybe probably but i don't want to i don't want to like lose tom cruise (laughs) playing ethan hunt yeah uh even though that'd be like just no it would just be insane but like i think that they're made that i think that's maybe why you're doing this you're looking at listen cruise Macquarie, paramount they all know this isn't going to last forever Mm-hmm. And maybe we should just knock out the final two right now. Do it so we're going to do them back to back. We know the overall story, so there's yep. not a all right. We can end seven on cliffhanger, and then it like loses at the box office somehow. And now it's like, right. oh shoot! Now we can't do an eight, and now it's just whatever the mystery is. A seven, we'll mm-hmm. never know. Now they can do it. Have this overarching story of four movies that Macquarie has handled, and even you could kind of throw uh, Rogue Nation in there a little bit uh, too or Ghost Protocol, the yeah. fourth one in a little bit, because he did rewrites on that script to make sure that like Julia was still alive and like all this other stuff. So uh, he's been involved for now five movies with the franchise overall. And I, I could see them looking at this and be like, all right, this is the end. This is going to be the final Mission Impossible 8 will be the final one. We'll give Ethan his great send off. And if the franchise continues on from there, it can be an Elsa Faust story or it can be just a new breed of IMF agents. Or I don't think they'd actually probably do that because I don't know if you could do Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise at this point. But I could, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, when this thing starts production, they're like the final two. Totally agree. Um, it is an endgame for sure for Cruise and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that's going to stop him is death on the set of one of these films or um, Scientology gagging him because he speaks out <laughs> against it or something like finally. So yeah, obviously there is, there is an end in sight for mission impossible, but they are assembling all of their best pieces mm-hmm. and are going to go out on probably one of the highest notes possible. I think. Oh yeah. The franchise is, is going to have, have had since, I don't even know franchise that went off went out on a high note like this. Right. And that like you get or to choose how potentially. to end it. Yeah, right. exactly. Um and I also I know you're maybe it's not loving the idea that with the Hollywood reporter floated that Alec Baldwin and Henry Cavill could be brought back via flashbacks. Yeah. I think this could speak to the story potentially. 
of seven and eight. Not that it'll be like time travel and flashback galore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I don't even think there's ever really been a flashback in mission impossible movie. Mm-hmm. Not that no. I can immediately recall. No. Um, nope. So if they're doing that, I mean, I think that's obviously has to be for a purpose, but quarry is a very thoughtful. He's not technically p- planned because a lot of the last two movies he's done are basically with no script show up on a set and figure out a scene that they can do with the people that are there, the locations and whatever the resource that they're uh, available. But so if he's already thinking, all right, let's get, I can get Henry Cavill back. I can get Hunley back. Why would, why would he do that? Unless I think he's going to try to these last two movies, just like these past two have largely been about Ethan Hunt versus the syndicate slash the apostles. Mm -hmm. If that continues and we're getting flashbacks to how, August Walker and the syndicate infiltrated the CIA. And if that's the case and we get a younger Henry Cavill, slightly smaller mustache or something, <laughs> um, Hunley, Alec Baldwin's character was the previous CIA director. Yep. So it would make sense for him to be there. And if that's the ultimate story of the syndicate, maybe being like a Hydra of the MCU where they, it's not just obviously the CIA they've infiltrated with Walker, they've infiltrated organizations around the world in whether it's governments or spies or whatever. And now these final two movies are going to be about Ethan, um, Benji, uh, Ilsa, the rest of the gang all coming together to realize, all right, we have to go like diffuse the world of this giant problem that we've created basically. Yeah. I, yeah. Although it seems like we got that ending with fallout. I can't remember exactly, but it's basically they just stuff what's-his-face bearded redhead in the mm-hmm. back of a truck and give him over to the uh, London, UK government. Right, but he's still... He's still there. He's still there. And who says MI6 isn't also... has syndicate people involved in it. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's enough seeds there that if, like, he left that door open, I, and just trying to think, which is obviously maybe not the best thing to do, but in trying to figure out what pieces we have left and thinking of this as I am, as these are the final two Mission Impossible movies, which, again, it's not been confirmed or even hinted at in any single way. Sure, but it feels like it. This That storyline makes a lot of sense because a lot of what Macquarie has done as of late is who is Ethan Hunt, what has he done, what are the consequences mm-hmm. of his years of service, right. and the formation of the syndicates, um, the global destruction and threats that have been yeah. posed because of Ethan Hunt's actions. I think it makes sense for that to continue and for the syndicate, the apostles to lead on and yeah. do it well, that way. Yeah, absolutely. At least in terms of, you know, his career and everything like that. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think there's much more information we can learn about Hunt because it's been so vague uh-huh. for the longest time. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a more personal villain that they could create. And we will see. But maybe we'll do a, I'm okay. a, a pitch episode. Oh, maybe we will. Yeah, that would actually be great. I'll need to catch up on my, my <laughs> Mission Impossible lore. We'll just really start with three and we're my way right. through because it's basically soft rebooted after that. Got it. So, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. But and, Lord, seeing another Lawrence Fishbourne appearance, that'd be terrific. Is that is that the one if anybody can come back? If anybody can come back? Oh, no. <clears throat> you know, I don't know who I would want. It's Paula Patton for me. I thought she was so good in the fourth movie that I would love to see her come back. Yeah, I was surprised. Her or Jeremy Renner, because he just kind of pushed out of the way <laughs> because mm-hmm. of Infinity War and Avengers 4 filming. So. Just, but the, in the last film, too, he just wasn't that important. Yeah, I mean, but I'd love to, I mean he was supposed to like, take over the franchise. I'd love to see him like come back and actually get like 
this is why he was almost going to be the the new lead. Like, give him like a prominent action heavy role. I think we've got better action heroes than that. But. I know, but he's already there. And I've just I feel like Renner is due for something like that, and he just hasn't been given that shot. Uh, Keanu Reeves, maybe. Oh, don't make Keanu like the villain. Oh yeah, of course. That'd be so good, Whew. so good. Uh, but let's move on because all we right. could talk about Mission Impossible 7 all day long. Um, and instead, talk about a new Ghostbusters movie, which is happening. And again, just like kind of Mission Impossible, there is a lot of news here to go through. So we'll take it piece by piece. I think that'll probably be best than laying it all out there and trying to you know regurgitate it afterwards. Starting with the fact that EW revealed that there is a brand new Ghostbusters movie in the works uh, that will serve as the third installment of the franchise following the two original movies that were directed by Ivan Reitman. And for the third movie, they've got his son, Jason Reitman, to come in and direct and write the new uh, the new movie. Uh, he's obviously just did Tolly, the front runner. They both came out this past year, but he's also known for movies like Juno um, and a bunch of other films as well. So starting off the bat, a new Ghostbusters movie following the same continuity as the previous ones. Is that a, is that a good idea? Just a straight up sequel to the previous movies. Mm. For a one that exists in the same. Yeah, that's okay to use the lore as a springboard, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, I, I, I don't know. Ghostbusters to me just isn't, it's really fallen off. When we had the, I think initially in the run up to the last one, I was mm-hmm. like, this is going to be fine. Ghostbusters, you shouldn't take it seriously. It's just wacky and kooky or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Um, but even after that, it's really falling off for me. Yeah. Just because I've rewatched it. I'm like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember. Okay. Yeah. And all of those sort of things. So using that pre-established lore, sure, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd um, all sort of held up on a pedestal or mm-hmm. something like that. But it's not necessary, but it's kind of cool that they're doing that. I'm lukewarm on this entire subject, okay? <laughs> yeah, so um, am I. And... and we know almost nothing other than Jason Reitman's involvement and that it's on its way out and some plot details. But. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, like you, I'm very lukewarm on this idea as a movie overall. Like, I don't need another Ghostbuster movie with the, that follows what happened before. I liked the 2016 Ghostbusters movie with the female cast. I thought they had fun chemistry. And honestly, the worst parts of those movies were the cameos by the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. I don't care that they weren't, that it wasn't in the same continuity or that the previous events didn't happen and that the trailers even misled you by basically making you believe that 30 years mm-hmm. after the previous attacks, oh, yeah. they're yeah. back. And it's just like, oh, but they're not the same characters. Interesting. That doesn't make any sense. But that movie still worked on its own. At least I thought. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Um, but Jason Reitman, talented director, totally is one of, I think, the most underrated movies of the year or underseen movies of the year because people who've seen it love it, but it's not all people have seen it. And now we're here. He's going to direct a Ghostbusters 3, and I'm just not interested. Yeah. And in, 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 and we'll get into it as you kind of like tick through these last these next few headlines mm-hmm. that we have about it here. But I could be, but I am not interested in one in the same continuity. Right, at, because at all. I mean, th- the most interesting part about it was that they released a teaser already, like a concept mm-hmm. teaser that Reitman shot, uh, basically of just uh, the camera going into a shed. There's the sound effects and the score, and then yep. the. Uh, Ecto-1 appears after like the rag over top of it 
partially blows over. Yep. It's like, okay, interesting tone. It seems more, it seems a little creepier. Um, and I, I can, un, I could maybe get behind that, but then we get story details and possible returns. And I'm just not really sure what's happening here because THR and other outlets have said that it's going to be teen based and that the, there'll be four teens leading this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but only, but then there's been like indications that one of them would probably be like the descendant of one of the original Ghostbusters. And then Ernie Hudson told Daily Mail that him, Dan Aykroyd, and Bill Murray are all set to return. Or all, they're all ready to return, which is unclear if that means they are returning. If they're just like, right. yes, of course we want to be in the new movie because mm-hmm. we want to be back in the public eye and yeah. back in our property and all this kind of stuff. And that's kind of where it lost me. And same, because I was like, all right. A teen-focused Ghostbusters, that could be interesting. I could get behind that. It's just some kids who maybe stumble across the Ecto-1, and in the back of it they have the photon blast, whatever mm-hmm. they're called, and yep. that's, and they realize, oh, there's a ghost, and now we can go become Ghostbusters. Right, exactly. That's like, an interesting origin, basically, coming-of-age story. This is a Netflix series that could run for five seasons and tell – Touching and emotional stories about <laughs> death and loss and grief, uh, I, I, like you know. But Ghostbusters was one funny movie with funny people in the eighties. Mm-hmm. This this entire just I am bewildered by the the attachment to it as a whole. Like it's okay to like it and love it and mm-hmm. appreciate it, but here like we have to have Bill Murray come back. We have to make sure we take great care. No, just, just you can start all over or. Mm-hmm. We just don't need their return, you know, all which, of those things. Which I just... think is part of the the interesting thing about this idea is what we're both saying. We are both mid twenties, uh, in age, so we don't obviously have that affinity growing up with Ghostbusters, seen in theaters, and mm-hmm. it being one of our favorite childhood movies. There's a generation of that, but they are an older generation, and so who is Sony targeting with this movie? Yeah, it sounds. It seems like they're trying to mix and match, and mm-hmm. I think that doesn't usually work. Like you have to pick what audience you're going after and if you want to make just a straight here it is here is all the nostalgia and just like halloween did and we're bringing back you know jamie lee curtis came back to play laurie Strode. well right. now we've got dan Aykroyd and bill murray and ernie hudson and they're back and maybe we even get like um our, like uh i can't think of her name uh ripley from alien uh i'm not gonna bail you out here are you serious why can't i think of her name right now because she was also in Avatar. She's in she everything. Was also Sigourney in Weaver. Monster oh Call. my there you go. gosh. There you go. Thank you. Uh, you, you didn't do anything, didn't do for, anything me. for you. I didn't do anything for you. Thank you, Brain, myself. Uh, I knew you'd get there. It was just like one of those like those moments where you're like, ah, why mm-hmm. can I? Like, I could riddle off her entire filmography, but I could not <laughs> tell you her name in that exact second. Uh, like You can get all these people back, but then it's like, that's not going to mean anything to us or people younger than us and people younger than them. Like <laughs> They're going to be more interested in who the, the new kids are and- like what even they don't even they might even have seen ghostbusters probably so all this nostalgia isn't going to mean anything and it could instead just weigh down this property with Mm -hmm. hey here's all these people returning that the younger generation doesn't know yeah and if jason reitman is here to just totally um just throw wrenches into all of what came before it Mm kind of like what paul feig did I'll be I'll be kind of happy with that, you know, especially who they fill out cast out. Right. With. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown like seems like a front runner to star in this already. Finn Wolfhard know. was one of the first names that popped in my mind. Of yeah, I would put both of them in that or whatever the case is. But yeah, like and then you know, if Sigourney Weaver led the led this cast, I would be about that. But that's just because 
Sigourney Weaver's the greatest. Right. Um, or has become greater than all Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, you know, at least in my head here. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it seems to be targeting something weird. I'll wait to see it. I'm like, one good trailer is enough to get me back on board and right. great intentions and all sorts of things like that. But, like, right now I'm in sort of the leslie jones tweet camp i think <laughs> yeah that, i think that's really where it puts me i don't know if i'd like go as far 100%. as she did <laughs> as far as she did because movies the business whatever i don't right. really have I don't, too much personal attachment yeah. to it i'm not in that industry yeah um, what i've what i'd like to see like if you told me all right ghostbusters 3 or a continuation of the last ghostbusters movie we got i would rather take the sequel to the all-female one mm-hmm. you know no, like not a moment of hesitation. Directed by Kay Cannon. And oh, yeah. In addition with Leslie Mann and also John Cena. <laughs> I would have been one, right there for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this movie is going to start filming this year, hit theaters in 2020. Uh, so it'll be here before we know it, which means we'll get a lot of information on it very quickly. Reitman's been developing this in secret. Since we're getting this young cast other than Millie Bobby Brown that you were like, These, this is who I'd want. No. Oh, I, yes. Uh, you, you you probably would throw in there um, Noah Joop, um, Maleficent, Mil, Mil, Millie Simmons? Quiet, the Quiet Place girl. Oh. I, uh, um, I think it's Millie. It's something Millie. like that. Yes, it's Millie. I'll Google that real quick. And then also um, Jordan Lieberman. Okay. And then possibly... Millicent Simmons. Millicent Simmons. See, thank you. But then I started to say Maleficent. I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's a Disney character. Um, and then finally, I would toss in the little kid who wants to be in Stars Episode Nine. Jacob Tremblay? Jacob Tremblay. I think he would be fun to have in there. Yeah. I think this is this is the weird thing. I threw out suggestions of who, like, if you're going to go young Ghostbusters, like, mm-hmm. they are not, like, 14, 15, 16. Like, I would go, like, a little more, like, young adult. But my suggested cast was Lana Condor. From oh. Twelve Boys Love Before, Shamik Moore, Spider Verse, and Dope, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob Adalone, everybody's favorite uh, in the Cherry Guy from yep. Spider Man, and then Geraldine Viswanathan, uh, the John Cena's daughter from Blockers. Oh, is the proposed lineup, and yeah, but it I I, I doubt any of those people will be involved, but. Oh, well, let's move on to Ticket or Skip It here. And we have a bunch of trailers that could get our ticket this week, including some very high-profile ones. Uh, The first one being the first trailer for Little Woods, a movie starring Tessa Thompson. Uh, The first trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, which everybody knows a lot about anyways. Uh, The first trailer for High Life, a movie starring Robert Pattinson in Space. The first trailer for John Chapter 3. And the first trailer for Steven Soderbergh's latest iPhone film, High Flying Bird. Josh... Which I one gets your ticket? Spider-Man Far From Home came out this week. <laughs> my, no, it, it, my mind just erased anything I had ever seen when John Wick 3, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, uh-huh. popped up on my feed. And it looks like everything I could have possibly wanted in a franchise that I came late to, but now love with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. In so many ways. Um, first of all, the aesthetic is five times as good as anything that it's ever pioneered or produced. It knows it's been copied by literally everyone from uh, the director of Upgrade to Roger Dinkins and some of the Blade Runners, uh, Blade Runner 2049, okay? for All for great things. Mm-hmm. But it's pioneering new colors, uh, new vestiges, and you just get these 
gorgeous frames that I wanted to clip up the entire week, but didn't because I didn't have time. <laughs> um, and Halle Berry looks terrific. The action looks like it's it's taking a much, like even more so it's going for the here is everything uncut, produced, choreographed, and we're going to go out on the highest note possible. And praise be, we get the horse scene. Yeah. <laughs> J- just enough of it to make him be like, I can't wait Can to I see wait? this whole thing in full running color mm-hmm. and motion. Um, it's going to be great. It is really going to be great. And yeah, that gets my ticket this week. We also get uh, ninjas on motorcycles. Ninjas on motorcycles. <laughs> they are not even... Katana's st- drawn, ready to go. Standing a chance against him yeah. at all. So good. The, the, in the rain, and there's just so much more of the, um, the continental and the high table lore that looks like they're doling out in little pieces just enough to make me like interested mm-hmm. but not but not to give away dra- anything not to give it away but also not to drag down the story because i really don't care about the high table i just really right. care about that was who, like who, kind of the worst part of john wick too which is like you got two yeah bogged down with your plot mm-hmm. just give me some subtle world building and great action and we'll be good yeah exactly and hopefully they're gonna do that just mm-hmm. Tell me who he's going to go kill and tell me who's trying to kill him. Right. That's all I need. We already know why. Yes. Because they're all trying to kill him. Exactly. Because <laughs> they want yeah, $14 million. It's perfect. It's so It can be so simple. Yes. Bounty, good. All right. Let's yeah. get on it. The first John Wick excelled because of just John Wick's dog died. Mm-hmm. He's going to go kill the people who killed his dog. Yeah. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. John Wick 2 is like, he killed this other person, so now other people are trying to kill him and they're Secret- other involved in this other group and- yeah, secret it's, it's organization stuff was just like, oh, it's way over my head. I just yeah. need a hotel for murderers. Right. Thank you. <laughs> just give me, put them in a glass room and let them all kill each other and oh, then yes. ha- let them kill somebody with a pencil. Mm-hmm. I'm good to go. Now he's going to kill somebody with a book, it looks like. It's incredible. That's right. Uh, you will learn to read. <laughs> exactly. He's making him eat his words. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I th- the genre chapter with each other was incredible. But I'm going to give my ticket to Spider-Man Far From Home. All right, that's fair. Because of Jake Gyllenhaal. If you checked out my Twitter feed at all this week, it was just basically Jill and Hall Mysterio. Uh, just that was it. That was all I was thinking about. That it was. It looks so good, uh, especially if you listen to our MCU ranking episodes, which you guys obviously should. It was our big question for like three straight weeks because it was like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we got to Spider Homecoming, my like only complaint about that movie is that the action is just not really memorable at all. In this one, it's just like, all right, Cooper, you want spectacle? Here's spectacle. Here's Spider-Man flying over the bay in the UK, going to, up against a giant you know, cloud of lightning and fire and uh, all this weird things. And mm-hmm. then there's elementals, whether it's Hydro Man or maybe even Sandman is there. And then there's this uh, fire guy as well. And it's just <laughs> like, okay, I don't know. Not sure what's going on here, but it looks awesome. And then Nick Fury's involved, and he is, you know, tranquilizing Ned, and it just all looks really good. The tone looks exactly like what it, what I'd want it to be, um, with the MJ flirting stuff, but then also, you know, Peter still being Peter, and he's still being a teenager, and still mm-hmm. trying to figure out what it means to be a hero. And then especially cause since the movie comes up after Avengers Endgame, there's a lot of teases of what's this line mean or how does this what does this mean because of what happened before potentially yeah uh a lot of that kind of stuff that i won't get into here um at this point maybe future episodes um but then you end it with here's jake unleashed he is looks great in the mysterious suit we get the fishbowl uh the special effects all the stuff that you would want from this looks so good then we get the tag at the very end of flash thompson praising spider-man for being the best hero Mm -hmm. around 
oh, hey, Peter. And yeah, yeah, it, the, the, the final joke is just so good. And uh, I, I just love the trailer. So it gets my ticket. It is. It is. It is. A, it is. A, it is. A, okay trailer with great Mysterio stuff. That's kind of where I landed. Okay, that, the, that may be fair. I will say, though, the Twitter criticism, like, what? Peter Parker's dead? Shut up. <laughs> you know how these movies work. The mystery is how you get from point A to point B now, okay? Yeah. But whatever the case. Like, now it's just re-raised the, I was so well, is it a prequel to Infinity War? And it's like, oh. no, but then it's just like, right, well, it, it could be, mm-hmm. it, it can be both set minutes after Avengers 4 and also be a prequel to Infinity War because time. Avengers 4 could end with the timeline yeah. being reset. It's like, it's not, it's not what's going to as, as soon as, as soon as the Gyllenhaal discourse around the trailer faded away, it was kind of gave the internet <laughs> like a shoe off. Like, like I okay, really I'm done with you. don't give a crap, okay? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, oh, you're theorizing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Um, but yeah, Gyllenhaal just looked terrific in the Mysterio suit. I love the angle they're presenting of him and i think my need to pat my own back pat pat i do this look like mysterio is on like a world tour of his own being villainous or Mm -hmm. good or bad or whatever the case is Mm -hmm. as they travel from city to city across europe so i can't i can't wait to see how the story plays out because i think that's the most interesting thing but um i just really yeah no mysterio is the selling point for me because he's always been my favorite spider-man villain mm-hmm. um venom is my favorite anti-villain so. there we go so let's move on Good to pick. the flyby here to end this episode starting with a report from deadline where they revealed that david huang has been set to write a live action movie musical remake of hunchback of notre dame josh gad is set to produce the film uh with disney and may also star in it as well so new hunchback notre dame movie any attachment to the original? Any excitement for this one? Not unless Josh Gad is 100% in that lead role. I have mm. no interest. Unless maybe someone else who I really like. Bobby Moynihan would be fun <laughs> to toss in there. I would love to see Bobby Moynihan in there. Um, but no, concept-wise, I don't need a Hunchback musical. But, yeah. you know, I'm always sellable. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm gullible for all sorts of movies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much of any attachment to the original movie other than, or the original anime movie by Disney other than, I remember there was a computer game for it, and it was like really awesome. I don't remember anything about it, but just like I remember playing that game a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is really likely that Josh Gad's going to star in it because he doesn't produce movies. Like he's never ever produced one. Yeah. So if he's on board to produce this one, why else would he do it unless he's starring in it? Right. Uh, it just makes too much sense. He's got his theater background, I mean, right? Or his uh, his Broadway chops. Mm-hmm. Like that was what the Book of Mormon made him, at least for the modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It makes sense that he would like maybe produce it, but be like, uh, maybe I have to go be Penguin and Batman instead, right. or whatever the case is, because that was out there. Well, yeah, we, we don't know when, like, what the timeline is for sure. this, when it's going to happen. If it's a theatrical release, if it's a Disney streaming play, uh, I feel like it'd almost make more sense as a Disney streaming movie, because yeah. like Hunchback Notre Dame, like that's like forty million dollars opening weekend tops. Mm-hmm. If you release it like in August, where nothing else is out for sure. So it'll be one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Disney remakes, uh, they also are doing a live action Pinocchio movie and discussing film. Talked to cinematographer Seamus McGarvey, um, who was set to shoot the film with director Paul King of Paddington, except now Paul King has left the project and the project is totally uh, up in the air, uh-huh. according to McGarvey. So sad to see Paul King leaves. It probably means he's going to go do that Willy Wonka movie instead for Warner Brothers. So... Oh, well. Yeah, it's sad. But, you know, 
mean, listen, maybe he'll come back to it eventually. Yeah, I mean, we need that Tom Hanks role. Yeah, it's got to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So we also got a report from THR this week that Danny Glover is set to join the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle sequel, the third one in the franchise overall, uh, confirming that he is not too old for this yet. So Good. Yeah. Good news. I love Danny Glover. Danny Glover is so good. Mm-hmm. And villain, playable character. What 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 do you what do you imagine in, um, in the Jumanji world? Side character, stern who's parents, ex- <laughs> extremely wild, but living it up in Jumanji, or wherever the game is taking place. Jumanji. Now this is complete- I haven't seen the new one. Oh okay. Well, this is completely just a random guess, but with Glover and Devito on board and the video game premise, but obviously trying to do something different with it. Aquafina, if I had to guess, is an in-game character. Mm-hmm. What if instead of doing teenagers playing jumanji getting enveloped it's old it's like a bunch of old guys so it's devito glover two other people and so it's like the rock has to play mm-hmm. danny glover basically right i could totally jack black has to be like danny devito yes i feel like that's i feel like that could be where or this movie's be going vice versa there where right yeah black is devito or black is glover the rock is devito yeah then kevin hart's like that would be fun uh i don't know i don't know who it would be but, that, that but like that, in. like that's like the, the. I feel like that's a possibility. Totally. Absolutely. Whether or not it happens, that's just a hunch at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, we also got a report from Dell this week, uh, getting the full main cast for Spielberg's West Side Story remake. Uh, basically, a lot of newcomers: Rachel Zegler, Ariane DeBose, David Alvarez, and Josh Andres Rivera. They've all been tapped for the four lead roles opposite of Ansel Elgort. So, does it surprise you that they went more unknowns? No. Does not surprise me that they went more unknowns because you got to pay people. Yeah, you do. But you get to make stars but out of this. Spielberg. <laughs> it's Spielberg. It, it's Spielberg, and it's going to be a movie that's going to make a lot of careers. I mean, although, um, you know, like Rachel Zegler is going to be like the most unknown of like mm-hmm. all these people. Yeah, I think this is literally her first role. Everybody else sure. has like some credits on IMDb. Yeah, like Broadway or stuff like that. Right. So it's really going to be it's it's a cast designed to let her and Ansel be the stars. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you want because do you remember anyone else from West Side Story? No, then that I wanted Tom Holland to be the one mm-hmm. kid. <laughs> With the jacket. Yeah, yeah, that can do like a bunch of flips. Right. Like I I love that movie, but I just don't care about the characters if they're not named uh Maria or the other characters name I forgot. <laughs> so there you go. Tony. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean I from seeing Rachel Zegler's like quick videos she shared on oh, yeah. social media, she's, she's definitely like, got the chops to mm-hmm. do this. Um and so I'm interested. I'm looking forward to see how she actually performs on the big screen. But I'm still surprised it's Steven Spielberg, and Ansel Elgort's like your main, like that's your most notable star. Yeah, I mean, they may, they probably will fill out it out with like Oscar Isaac is Elgort's dad or something right. like that, or they'll they'll go some kind of route like that. I don't know how that would work, but you know, yeah, he'd be like one of the Jets' dads, right? Yeah. So you know, or not one of the Sharks. Wait, Jets, Sharks. I don't remember which Sharks. one's which. <laughs> Either way, You're we also <laughs> we also got a report from Deadline this week uh, that Kevin Hart is going to start in a Monopoly movie uh, directed by Tim Story. So this is interesting. I want to know what this movie is like, how they're going to do this. Uh-huh. Like, is it a rags to riches story where you start on uh, in the brown pieces and make your way all the way up to Bol- mm. uh, what's it, Pacific Avenue and Broadway and um, uh, Park Place and Park Place, yeah, yeah, Broadway. Pacific Avenue is one of the green ones. Yeah, but it's it's like in the middle. Indiana Avenue is a red one. 
So like that's that's all I know. Like I don't know. I want to know the pitch for this movie. If it's just if it's that, or if it's like literally like you get sucked into a monopoly board game and mm-hmm. you have to make your way out of it somehow with jail free cards and shenanigans like that. But yes, life if is it's, lived like that. That'd be cool. But if it's you know Kevin Hart, Tim Story, they have a decent history together. So sure, why not? Yeah, I mean Tim Story has a super diverse background. Like so, this movie could be a range of things. Yeah. It could be a social political commentary, which I don't <laughs> think Hasbro or Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro. Yeah, is going to go for, but, you know, who's to say? You never know. Uh, we do know, though, that uh, Variety reported that Anne Hathaway is set to play the Grand High Witch in Robert Zemeckis' The Witches remake. I've never seen the original film. Me um, but I know Angelica Huston uh, played the role originally, and now Anne Hathaway's going to take over. Wasn't a big fan of Welcome to Marwin, Zemeckis' last movie, so hopefully this is better. Was but anybody? I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Anne Hathaway, though, so hopefully she can... Yes make this work yeah it sounds like he's turning towards something a lot more crowd pleasing and less dumb well i think so. i think he's going for crowd pleasing with marlin, marlin? oh <laughs> i just don't think it connected at all <laughs> poor guy um and then lastly here a little fun one uh, aaron sorkin told thr that he could be down for a sequel to the social network uh would this be a good idea given Facebook's recent history and everything mm-hmm. we've learned about Facebook since the original social network uh, came out in 2008? Uh, yes. And if this happens, should Sorkin direct it or do they need to get Fincher back and just bring the whole crew back in the exact same roles to try to re-establish uh, that, that it, magic? There's no end for the social network, too. It would just be some really random biopic like Steve Jobs was mm-hmm. which would be interesting but not great and I think if he wants to follow up social network with something like you know like unsocial network or whatever the case is so I don't know it won't be that cliche <laughs> um, there needs to be some kind of end to it that centers around Zuckerberg getting regulated or fired or there's there's no drama right there yet other than just portraying Zuckerberg as an out of touch not sociopath but out of touch (laughs) and totally oblivious to the damage that Facebook has done Um, if anything he should just turn it into some kind of like sci-fi thriller and then be like pull the pull an M. Shamanal and be like oh it was real and Facebook (laughs) was was, the company was Facebook the whole time or whatever the case is you know maybe but there's a lot of drama there to work with but I think Swore can be better, like with an Uber movie or something that's a little bit more Uber dark. Movie. Oh, yeah, dude. You have no idea. I don't. But uh, I know that Dave Batista and Camille Nanjiani are doing a Stuber movie. Yes, which is uh, supposed to come out this year. So great. hopefully that'll be a lot of fun and probably more fun than a social network too would be unless uh, they were both in the social network too. Interesting. Dinesh would be great. I'm on board. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if. If Sorkin Kamel, has, sorry, not Dinesh. Yeah. I called him. Gosh, dang it! If Sorkin, though, as much as I don't need a social network too, if Sorkin believes he has an idea and he knows a story that could be done, I'm not gonna say no to him. Uh, sometimes you should. <laughs> he's he's. Let's at least see what he got. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful indulging Sorkin. True. But you Maybe. know, like I don't need a Molly's game sequel. <laughs> oh no, but. But more Chastain, she mm-hmm. she could join the cast. Um, but that is all we have for the flyby, which means we're at the end of this episode, and we'll be back next week with a review of the kid who would be king, the first movie by Attack the Block director Joe Cornish since his last movie in like twenty thirteen or twenty eleven or something. Like it's been such a long time, and he's finally getting a shot again. 
reviews have been positive. It's a King Arthur tale, basically, but it's told from a kid's perspective and more like fantasy, modern day. Rebecca Ferguson's involved, and we love Rebecca Ferguson, the Ferg, as Colton would call her. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. Josh, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, well, let me rephrase that. I'm looking forward to seeing why everyone thinks it's so great. Because odds are I'm going to be heartwarmed by it, just from the words that are coming out of people's mouths and on their Twitters, mm-hmm. on their tweets. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll be, I'm just interested to see how this kind of plays out. Because maybe I do need some, like, you know, heartwarming, nostalgic, optimistic, you can beat up the bullies and save your country type movie. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, we'll I'll see you back this week with a big question tackling the Oscar nominations, which come out tomorrow morning as of uh, when this should be published. So be on the lookout for that on Wednesday. I can give my early reaction real quick. Okay. Why Green Book? <laughs> Green Book just won the PGA Best Picture. So I means I mean, it's probably a front runner to do the same with the Oscars. Hmm. But we'll see. Maybe it won't even get nominated. That's probably not going to happen. I would probably get nominated. I just... So many things. All right. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, that is all. We'll be back, obviously, with that big question. And hopefully there will not be any major snubs and we'll all just be super happy come Tuesday. But that's probably not going to happen. So we'll have a lot to discuss in that big episode, that big question episode. And that is all we have. So be sure to have your thoughts. I think covered by Trace at Friends of Film. You can follow me at... Uh, and you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our tunes are going to say five stars of you with comments. Thanks again for being to the Friends Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everybody. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. Bye.